Magnificent morning, folks. This is Jay Jameson with Her Story Podcast. Her is an acronym for heroic, empowering, and resilient. And this is a self-improvement, self-acceptance, and women empowerment podcast. My main purpose is to encourage, empower, and motivate all women by highlighting their personal stories of triumph over adversity. Each of us has a story, an illness, financial burden, or dating job. In general, unforeseen circumstances can make us feel isolated or alone. But when you feel like you may have hit rock bottom, it doesn't mean that it is the end of your story. It is often within the darkest nights we produce the brightest stars. There are women out there who have gone through the very same barriers you may be facing today, but they didn't give up. In fact, they use their difficulties to mold them into strong and resilient women. And if they can break through their hardships, so can you, because you are her. Heroic, empowering, and resilient, magnificent morning, good people, great rising. This is uh, Jay Jameson once again, and this is your first time tuning into her story. I thank you. I hope that you will be empowered or motivated in some way. Um, today, I want us to reflect on the introduction of her story. The line, it is within the darkest nights we produce our brightest stars. It's often within our adversity we find our power and our strength, that power and that strength that has been within us all along. But sometimes it takes that turmoil and that chaos and frustration for it to be released or for it to be revealed and for us to really be made aware that we have had this within us the entire time. And many people are faced with similar situations, but how we react when faced with that adversity determines our ending. So today's guest was faced with many life-changing situations. Um, one particularly that plagued her or stayed with her with within her childhood and transitioned on throughout her adulthood. And it was an ongoing battle, which was her weight loss or her weight gain, just the weight journey within general. And I feel like this topic is extremely important, particularly to me, because the purpose or the reason why I initially began her story at first was to focus on weight journey or, you know, weight loss or just goals in general, dealing with a holistic approach of being healthy and within the gym. And this topic is sensitive for me because I also have an online store. It's called Closet Fitness. But the reason why I began Closet Fitness was to highlight and provide apparel or fitness gear for women of all sizes. Because typically within society and what we see in the market and commercials, it's a stereotypical or a small figure or a sense of one particular person or a standard size that you should... um you know, like the image that you should want to be or portray when you're trying to lose weight or just trying to get healthy. And myself, uh, throughout my adolescent years, I battled with trying to fit a certain image. And I battled anorexia. I didn't eat. I didn't like the person that I saw within the mirror. I battled who I was 
um, on my outward appearance. And it took the love of my mother. It took counseling. It took teachers and those who were very attentive and wanted to be a part of my life that helped me change my mindset and helped me change my views so that I can holistically focus on my transformation of being healthy and being in the gym and then sharing that story with other women. So with all of that being said, I have with me um, a phenomenal female, uh, Miss Queen. Can you please introduce yourself to the audience and just give them a little information about who you are? Hello, Janae. I am so honored to be here with her story. Y'all, I am an obesity overcomer. I've lost over 100 pounds at this point through applying faith to fitness and it just means so much to me to be able to share my story and encourage others as well to free themselves from the bondages of food addiction and emotional eating. Yes. And, you know, you speak so fluently and you're just um, I can tell just about your passion and your purpose just from those very few lines, from those very few words. And I wanted to get into your story because when we previously had spoken, you um, you mentioned just the feeling of, even as a child, that feeling of isolation or feeling that this was one thing that you could not overcome. And that was your weight. And I mentioned within my story that they had different teachers and people who were very attentive of my my behavior and like habits around lunchtime that brought their attention to my parents. But I remember when we spoke, you had said that um, you felt a, a difference in behavior or the approach of teachers, even at a small age as a child, of how they treated you compared to your other classmates. So I wanted to start off with that from when you were a child and how that image or how that um, distinction in behavior by adults kind of weighed over you and within your head and traveled on into your adult life within this journey? Mm -hmm. It's one of those things that I don't even know if the adults were aware that they were doing it. Mm -hmm. But there was a bias there. And I think that that bias still exists you know, today with how we treat people who are overweight and obese. Um, For example, I remember this one time in third grade, we were learning about graphing. And back in the day, we had like graph paper, this paper that instead of having the lines, it had like all the little squares. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what we were learning about in math. So the teacher thought that it would be a good idea for her to have us all weighed. Now, up until this point in my life, third grade, I'm guessing that's like nine, maybe 10 years old. I had no concept of what a scale was, never had seen one. My mom was, you know, petite and had a cute figure and everybody always talked about how pretty your mom is. That's your mom? I mean, like she was like model beautiful, you know, Mm -hmm. but I never really saw her obsessing about her weight. And I'm just pointing that out because um, young people are affected by how the people around them respond to, you know, the way that they look. Right. Mm-hmm. The, meaning the way the adults look. So I never really saw that. I didn't know anything about that. So when it was um, the teacher having the scale out, I would see people go up, they stand on this thing. She would smile at them and then write something down. And 
The next person comes, they she smile at them and write something down. So now is my turn cueing. So I put down whatever it was I was working on, and I'm expecting, oh, this will be quick. She's going to smile at me and write something down. So I step on the scale. I don't know what the numbers are supposed to be, whatever. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I noticed, though, her face did not look the way it did with everyone else. She looked at the number, she looked at me, and she kind of tilted her head and did a face and then wrote the number down. And I knew that something was different. I didn't know what it was. I wasn't relating the number to anything yet. But I knew that there was something different about me when I stepped on the thing and how she responded because she had not done that to anyone else and nobody else after me. So then the next day, we come in, and there's this poster because, you know, with graphing, they show, like, all the different little points. And so there's all these little points that are not in a perfectly straight line, kind of like a little wiggly line. And then there's the one with the QJ on it, way at the top. Mm -hmm. Because I was heavier and bigger than all the other kids. And that was the first time it occurred to me that this was something other than you. Oh, she's so, like people would say to my mom, who was gorgeous, as I said, they would say things like, oh, she's got such a pretty face. And something was always off about that to me. It didn't feel right somehow. But when I saw my teacher responding like that and I saw my little dot way up at the top, Mm -hmm. it just reinforced, okay, I'm not. I'm not like them. Yes, I would see that they got to wear the cute clothes, and I was wearing mostly sweatsuits all the time, you know, jogging pants and sweatshirts and stuff like that, because it's not like we had a lot of uh, fashions uh, like how we do now uh, for kids. I was shopping. My mom uh, and grandma would take me to the Pretty Plus section in Sears, it was called. Yeah. You know, so (laughs) that. That was it. A lot of, oh, she has such a pretty face. And because they just were focused on my face, that made me think, well, what about the rest of me? Because I never heard other people get compliments like that. No one said to my mom, oh, you have such a pretty face. Or to my friends, girl, you have such a pretty face. So I knew that since I'm just hearing you have such a pretty face, something else is wrong. So it took years, even as an adult, in my 20s to be able to accept you're pretty as a compliment because I would always attach it to your pretty butt. Right. So if you, if I lost weight or if I wasn't so big, then, then I would be enough, you know? So yeah, those are just a, a couple of things that helped me to know um, that there was something that made people feel a way about me being uh, a big girl. Mm -hmm. And as we go into your adulthood and um, like teenage years, adulthood, just those experiences that uh, weighed on you as you experienced as a child, um, in relation to your friends, you know, we mentioned that society heavenly influences the way that we think and how we should... um, how you know like our image in general so 
it's often sometimes we may feel like ostracized or, you know, um, left alone when we're around our friends because they don't have those same shared experience or they can't really relate to what we're going through. So as you did begin to get older and you realize you have a full understanding now, okay, people are associating me with, you know, my, my beauty or, um, the way that I physically look within my face and just the you not being able I guess to really figure out what's going on with your body in comparison to your friends like who did was there ever a friend that you reached out to or that you shared these experiences with like how did you overcome that transitioning phase from you being a child and now I'm getting to my adulthood and I'm facing the difficulties of society and like accepting my image there was no one that I reached out to among my friends because my friends were size zeros, twos, and fours in my head. And they were amazing friends and still are. Like, we currently have a group chat. You know, we talk all the time even now. Because of the work that I'm doing now, they are aware. But they had no idea. And I didn't think that they would be able to relate at all. So I didn't reach out to them. I didn't talk to them about how I felt when I was with them and um, they were, you know, really popular. They were cheerleaders. They were in the homecoming um, squad and stuff like that. And I was the funny one. You know, I think I overcompensated in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. with my humor because it kept, you know, I feel like it kept some of the teasing and things like that away. So, before the term, you know, clapbacks and all that, I already had all that together, you know. Right. (laughs) um, Yeah, I didn't really reach out to anyone. That was really internalized. I didn't think my mom would understand it either because she's never been overweight or had an issue. There was no one around me that I was close to that looked like me. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that, because I do know um, being in education that there are young people who are overweight and obese, many of them, that's a whole separate issue uh, here in America, especially among black and Latino children. Many of them do have around them, though, um, aunts and parents and cousins and, and different people who are also overweight or obese. So they may be able to see it in a little bit of a different way. But I didn't have any of that around mm-hmm. me. Everybody looked like all the other folks in the magazines and on television, you know? So it's it's not also that I was always consumed with these thoughts. I mean, because with anything, we have really great days and, and then we have, you know, tough days too. But I did feel like this was one of those things that I just needed to deal with because I'm not going to be able to get to the other side of it. It was, I can't even say how much of that was even conscious. It's just like, that's just how it is. Kind of like some people have straight hair and some people have kinky hair. Mm -hmm. In my head, some people are slim, some people are muscular, and some people are big. And I'm just going to be the big girl and I just need to get used to it. Mm -hmm. And as I got older, of course, I had more friends that looked like me and we began to relate on that level. So then when we would hang out as a crew, me and another friend, you know, we were both 
overweight at the time, we would sit in BB and Ann Taylor and these type of stores while our friends were trying on clothes. Because what were we going to do in there? Right. You know? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's, and and I also want to say, I understand that there are many, many women, many of whom I follow on Instagram, who are very content to be the size that they are, even though it's at an inflated weight. Mm-hmm. Um, at my highest, I was 246. So there's people who are that size, who are uh, larger than that size, and they are fine being there. They love it. They are wearing it well. I, however, was not happy there. There mm-hmm. was always this something in me that felt like th- that this wasn't really me. This is not me. I'm, I'm not 100% with this. Right. So my thing is always talking to those people. If you're fine being over here, then then fine. Stay there. Do you. But if you feel like, and you have those times where you feel like this, I just, I want to change. I just don't know how or how to make it stick. That's a whole nother thing. And I was always there. I never felt like that's who I really and truly was. I always felt like there was a, a fitter, leaner, stronger me. Mm-hmm. And it's I'm I'm glad that you pointed it out and that you worded it that way because sometimes um you know a person may be on like the fence or they may be very um defensive when it is even presented to them about embodying who they are versus if they really want to change. I think that, you know, everyone should embrace who they are and accept who they are. But like you said, if there is something that's inside of you that wants to see a change, but you're afraid, you know, maybe you're afraid or you have that fear or you're worried about how others are going to view you. You may be um, battling eternally. Like, can I really do this? You know, do I have the will and to do can this? I keep it up? Like right. that would be something that happened because I had so many failed weight loss attempts from a teen all the way up. And, you know, people say it's harder, the older you get and all this kind of stuff. And so, I would wonder, can I do it? Or if I do, how long are you going to keep it up? And my mind, you know, anxiety would be lying to me, saying, you know you're not going to keep that up. Mm-hmm. You know you always gain it back. Because that's what would happen. When I would lose weight, I would always gain it back. My goal would be, you know, things like I just want to get to 200. And then never really being able to cross be, you know, beyond that and go into the ones again. So feeling like, well, you know, you only get to, you only get to here and then you, you know, this is, you won't be able to keep it up. It, it was always something. Yeah. You won't be able to do that. Mm-hmm. It was like and a, a mind relative. game. Like, mm-hmm. likewise thinking that, oh, uh, wealth, millionaire status, great opportunities, big stuff. Oh, that's for other people. You know you're not going to be able to do that. Right. You don't know how to do that. You you don't have what it takes. You are not enough. Mm-hmm. Has, has been like one of those prevailing messages that I would get and having to, to push to the other side. So I was always trying to do the stuff, but not really dealing with why I was the way that I was. Like, why was I 
eating in excess like this? Why mm-hmm. did it seem like I could not resist certain things when it came to food? I never was touching that part. It, I wasn't even conscious to it for a long time. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to do the things. Like I feel like weight loss should be a spirit, soul, mind, body pathway. But oftentimes we, myself, was approaching it, approaching it from the bottom. Mm-hmm. Trying to start with the body, what to eat, what to do, all that kind of stuff, and it wasn't, it wasn't working. Yeah. I knew there had to be something more. Right, you were just touching but the surface. You were touching the surface yeah. and not really digging deep within, like you said. It's um, it's a holistic mind, body, and spirit, spiritual journey, mm-hmm. and um, you know, mm-hmm. it takes sometimes it it takes life right it takes certain situations and things to happen that ironically leads us to um the next level our next journey are you know uh as a person we constantly evolve and with that being said I wanted to um speak about summer 2014 I wrote that down in my notes and I think this was like a evolving um point within your life yes and that changed right no and it Uh, your journey um it actually I feel as though your journey it was revealed and unleashed within this moment and at the time you weren't even really focused on losing weight but that uh was just a a kind of like a a, you know just an effect of situation after situation and ironically, it led you to that. But can you just give a little spill on that summer 2014 when at one point you had it all and then it was just, um, you know, simultaneous things started simultaneously happening, happening that kind of was like your yeah. downfall. Yeah, summer 2014 was when a whole bunch of stuff that's came to the head, you know, um, so much was going on. It was one of those things where you almost are like just going through the motions of life because it's like, I, I can't even deal anymore. So I had what I thought was my dream job. I had left a pretty decent job to take on a director role somewhere. And this was going to be it. Mm-hmm. And then I was in a relationship with the man that I just knew I would spend the rest of my life with. And we would live happily every after. And just a whole bunch of other stuff, too. You know, I got great friends. I, oh, my goodness, the place where I live, just like something out of a magazine, just everything, just a cute car with a custom color, just, you know, feeling like, okay. Life I mean, is perfect. I'm, yeah, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say perfect, but, you know, this ain't bad. Right. Mm-hmm. And then just series after series of series, things have stopped, started happening. My uh, job actually turned out to be an incredibly toxic environment. Like, before I would be getting ready to go into the building, Janae, I remember just gripping the steering wheel, being like, Lord, just help me to make it to lunch because at least then I could leave out of the building 
I could get, you know, catch my breath until it was time to go back at it again. You know, I mm-hmm. just would feel like a lamb going to slaughter. It just, I don't know if you've ever had a job from hell, but anybody listening that has, yes. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. You know how miserable, it's like you can feel the heat in your body rise mm-hmm. when it's time for you to step off into to yeah like even when you wake up in the morning like I remember being in a situation when I would wake up and I would just cry I would just cry and you know I'm always um I I'm I would say that I'm a perfectionist even though that you know being perfect and it doesn't even exist but just you know I I, I always want to be like 15 minutes early or you know just Mm -hmm. there to be earliest to be on time and but I saw myself where I would take the longest to get ready. I would leave like five minutes before it's time for me to get there. You know, I would get there. I would just cry. I would go in the bathroom and cry. It was just like our heart saying, "Girl, mm -hmm. don't do it." Yes. When Mm -hmm. I oh, you know, you know, it makes my nerves bad to even say it because oh my goodness so that was a horrendous miserable existence and then I was kind of I don't know if expecting but you know when you are a, a woman of faith there are red flags that anybody can get you know that are obvious and people can choose to ignore them but when you are a woman of faith Mm-hmm. And you are asking God to be involved in your relationships and different things. There will be things that are revealed to you and you can't put your finger on it. You don't have evidence for it. You can't really say what it is, but it's something not right. And I would be getting these something not right feelings in my relationship, even though he was a great boyfriend. He was. I mean, like, he was doing stuff that folks' husbands ain't doing, you know, like, Mm -hmm. all of that, but something just wasn't right, and I ended up ending that relationship, even though I could not put anything on the why I'm doing it, I just knew it was the right thing to do, and it was still hurtful, I think sometimes people think if you walk away from something, then it's, she just walked away, girl, Mm -hmm. whether it was a job, a relationship, or breaking off talking to one of somebody you used to be close to with a girlfriend but sometimes you just gotta trust God and do it so I had to do that that was very hurtful and then um I shared this story with you I go out to get something out of my car one morning oh and I had to move from my beautiful place uh that was going on and needing to find a new place but I go out to my car one morning and um, it had been totaled mm-hmm. on the street while it was parked overnight because it had been hit by a drunk driver. And I remember standing there thinking, man, it can't get any worse than this. Because at this point, I've left the job. I'm living off my savings. It's dwindling down. You know, I'm broken hearted. I'm leading up to breaking up with old boy and all this. And I'm sitting here looking at this car like, it can't get no worse than this. Before I could even get somebody to come tow the car, I go out there and the car is black now. Now this car was periwinkle blue. It is now burnt to a crisp black. 
because some vandalizers had come by and set a vehicle on fire that I was, the car was in back of, had set it on fire and had consumed it and then had burnt the whole first half of my car. So even if the car had been able to get fixed from the driver, from the drunk driver, there was nothing that could be done at this point. And I remember standing there like, well, I said it can't get any worse. And I was just numb because Mm -hmm. I was just expecting more horrible things to happen. But then keep in mind, that's also my mindset. Right. So I'm definitely not going to set out on a weight loss journey that I know I'm just going to gain the weight back anyway because, you know, that's what my mind would be telling me. I don't need another disappointment. I can't do another setback right now. So I wouldn't even do it. But what I did, because as I said, I had to move, I found a place across from the lakefront. I live in Chicago, and I love being by the water. I would leave my place just to go out by the lake because I could not be left alone to my thoughts. Mm -hmm. My mind was beating me down all the time. It's your fault if you had done this, this, that, you can't get anything right. All this, all this, all this, all the time. Like mental gymnastics is what it felt like. So being by the water, though, was very soothing for me. And I would just walk and walk and walk. And as a person who, you know, was obese, and I'm not saying that all people who are overweight and obese do this, I kind of had this weird obsession with the scale. So every now and then, even if I wasn't doing anything to change it, I would get on the scale just to see how much I weighed. And I was used to seeing the number go up, up, up. But I tell myself self stuff like, well, at least it's not 250, even though I was 246. Or at least it's not 300, though. You know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I'd get on the scale expecting it to, you know, rise like it always does. And it was lower than I remembered from a long time. And I was like, wait a second. And I'm not one of those people that don't eat. You know, people go through stuff and it's like, I can't eat. I don't have an appetite or I'll never breathe again. I'm not one of them. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't it. So I'm like, what if I've been doing? And I realized all of that walking to clear my mind was making an impact. And that really, this whole idea of walking to clear my mind, to pray, to reflect, to talk to myself, to train my thoughts, to condition the way that I spoke to myself, all of that was having an impact on my body. And that was like the beginning of my weight loss journey. That really wasn't starting in my head as a weight loss journey. Yeah, it was just a series or a parallel of unfortunate events where that weight loss journey began. And um, throughout your entire story, it's important that we focus on the power of the tongue and the power of Mm. the mind. Mm. It is so important. We really have to be very intentional about our thoughts and the words that we speak. And throughout the day, with even myself personally, if I have this one bad thought, I'm like, Janae, I, I throw it out. Like, I, <laughs> I'm i very visual. Like, I picture myself mm-hmm. having, like, a bag, and I just throw it out. Um, Each morning, I 
I was recently introduced to like centering and somatics and meditating. So I begin my morning meditating on words of affirmation and I write it out. I write out like a, a letter to God, right? And I'm like, dear God, um, today I release this. And so if it's anything that's plaguing me, anything that is, you know, fear or causing anxiety or any type of negative negativity over my life, I say, God, I am done with this today. Today, I claim this. I am this. I am this. I will accomplish this. And it's very transformative. And um, it's, it's needed. It's almost needed oh, yeah. for me to I, get on from day to day. I can't imagine my life at this point without it. Mm-hmm. Like what I was saying about walking and clearing my thoughts and training my mind, a lot of that was by way of applying the word of God. So I would seek out scriptures that had to do with comfort and cheer because I would feel so down. Mm -hmm. So I would say things like, Lord, I thank you that when my mind is racing and I'm full of anxious thoughts, you comfort me with your cheer. You sing over me. And when I uh, realized that it was having an impact on my body and that I could uh, jump on that and go from there. I would say First uh, Corinthians nine twenty seven, which is still my foundation scripture, that talks about disciplining your body like an athlete, yes, or making mm-hmm. your body your slave, things like that. I would say that my mind is being renewed and transformed. I'm being transformed from the inside out. I was my own worst enemy, my own toughest critic, and I had this thing where I would say anything that I wouldn't say to one of my best friends, I can't say that to me. So if I would not say to a friend after she got dressed and came out and was like, what do you think? I wouldn't say, Ooh, you look so fat in that girl. Look at your stomach though. Uh, uh, Mm -hmm. but that means also that I can't then stand in the mirror and be like, Ooh, no, no. I also, even now, if we take a picture together, I'm not going to, when you show me the picture on your phone, I'm not going to say anything bad about myself. Right. Mm-hmm. I'll say, I might say, can we try it again? But I'm not going to say, ooh, I look a mess. Or, ooh, I look, no, no. So, because at this point, after having done this for some years now, I am very conscious about what I'm saying about myself and about my future, particularly as it relates to my overall wellness, spiritual, mm-hmm. mind, and body. Yes, definitely. I, I definitely uh, in agreement with that 100%. And um, also, you mentioned that you had went, um, reached your goal of, well, a uh, size four, and now you're a size mm-hmm. 10. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And yeah. just embracing who you are and um, yeah. just the idea that some people, when they have just a, a transformative journey and they've reached, a, you know, like a milestone within their mind, the battle of thinking that I have to stay this particular size. But as you mentioned, we have to um, vision, envision our weight, our weight loss journey, you know, holistically, mind, body, and soul. So if, you know, if a size four wasn't sitting comfortably with you, just embracing who you are and being Mm -hmm. comfortable with how you feel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like loving yourself 
all along the way, you know? And that means, because I would tell myself as I went through the different sizes, I would say, I'm going to be the best 20 I can be when I was a 20. Mm -hmm. Now, oh, I'm ready to kill this eight. Yeah. At a six, oh, I'm going to be the best, you know, I'm going to wear this well as well. And it also helps, you know, to share this part of our journeys and even you as someone who's slim to, you know, is a great example of this, that your size has nothing to do with your mind. Right. So Mm -hmm. if you think, anyone who's watching this or listening to this, if you're thinking that when you become a size 10, 8, 6, 4, 12, whatever your goal is, then you'll be happy. Then you'll find the love of your life. Then you'll be able to do this, that, and the other. You're you're kidding yourself. Like, you've got to love yourself all along the way and practice that because you'll get there and be very, very disappointed to find that you still have the same mindset. Mm -hmm. You'll always be in the search of something else or something more with that next thing. Like, you really have to take in the now and learn to you know, just embrace certain things and finding that that source of your happiness, rather the source of your happiness, the source of your purpose and your passion, all those things are very important. And, you know, it's in relation to every aspect of life. I have a friend whom um, pretty much, you know, everything that he asks for it, he receives it right. Um, He started one of uh we graduated around the same time and at that point in my life it was frustrating for me because despite my educational attainment it was hard for me to find a job a job that can provide me a substantial living on my own and me not wanting to be dependent you know on anyone and um he was like one of the first out of our group of friends to find a job with a decent amount of pay and to live on his own. And, you know, he was like, you know what, I, you know, this is a, it's a okay job, but I want something else. I want to move to Texas. So he's applying to Texas. He finds a job within his field in Dallas. He's like, mm, Dallas is okay, but I'm just not happy. You know, I want to, I want to go to DC and you know what? He finds a job in D.C. <laughs> and now he's just like, I don't know if this is something that I really want. You know, I, I want something else. Maybe I need to move back home to New Orleans. And I'm like, hold up, hold up. <laughs> Everything that you have prayed and asked for, God is revealing. He's giving it to you. But I was like, until you really accept the now and try to focus on what is your true source of happiness? What is my what is my purpose? What is something that I really want to ultimately obtain? You're always going to feel that the grass is always greener on the other side. Yeah. And there's a difference. Oh my goodness. It's a difference between um, yeah. yeah, and you know, it's a difference between, you know, uh trying to aspire or have these different goals and to reach, but just a sense of thinking that you're going to get happiness out of what's next you know you have to embrace that you and it like I said it goes with your job it goes with who you are connected to in relationships who you are as a person as an individual on the outside when I share my story with people they were like Janae like I've always viewed you as this happy you know the the quote-unquote you know the the pretty the the pretty popular girl not knowing that you are battling this within yourself and 
that person that others saw me as, I did not see myself as that person. I looked in the mirror and I cried at the person who I saw. And it wasn't until I embraced who I was, some that people may have even viewed as flaws. I'm like, I love everything about me. You know, you can you can say whatever you want about me, about my physical appearance or whatever it is, but I know who I am as an individual, my characteristics my soul and my heart and that outweighs a lot and when you embrace who you truly are when you embrace and love who you truly are when you find that ultimate source of happiness that ability to love who you are to share that love with other people and uplift other people it's really nothing that can really can can stop you you know nothing that can really draw you off track and um just sticking to that victor mindset um, I would, yes, I like that Victor mindset. Yeah, like it's very yeah. it's it's transformative, and I I always want to share that message with people because we are who we say we are. We are who we say we are, you know, and we may not even have what we want right now within that moment, but I'm a true believer that it will eventually attract itself to us as long as we continuously say it and wholeheartedly believe it. It's going to find our way to us. And one of the things about your story that means so much to me is that I feel like it encourages us to not compare ourselves to other people. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there are scriptures around that, too, to compare yourselves among yourselves is not wise. Because someone else could look at your friend doing this, that, and the other and is like, man, I'm just still trying to find a job in this one city and he's been all over the world. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I've heard from women and they say things like that. You know, my friend had the, had the surgery. And so I'm trying to still eat right. And she's already lost 20 pounds, you know, this one month because of this, or this person is doing this. Why can't I do that? It's like, you don't know what people are going through what they're doing or what God's plan is for them, mm-hmm. you know? So let them do what they do. And as you just said, Janae, and what is up to us to do is to become who we say Yes, we are. Yes, most definitely. And that doesn't have to be based on what the circumstances suggest. Mm-hmm. So your story is so is so powerful and I really appreciate you for taking your time today to share it. Um is there a way that people can reach out to you or can you share your social media platform in case someone is going through a journey or needs someone to confide in or tips or help or anything? Yes, thank you for that offer. Yes, it's wisdom for weight loss. So the word wisdom, the number 4 weight loss. That's on IG and Facebook, and my blog is runningininchurch.com. Based on my book that's coming out, uh, which is Running in Church Can't Count for Cardio, 12 Practical Prayers to Ignite Your Weight Loss Journey. So all the things that we talked about, about applying the word to weight loss, Mm -hmm. those things are found in that book. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much for sharing. Thank you. And audience, in closing, always remember that your story is not solely for you. It's meant to be shared with other women and provide hope to those facing similar hurdles. You don't have to be ashamed and you definitely don't have to be afraid to share. You are a victor, a winner, and you will not be defeated. 
You declare growth and prosperity over your life and troubles don't always last. You're brilliant, bold, and beautiful. You are her, heroic, empowering, and resilient. Thank you once again. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Her story can be found on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, as well as Google Play. And once again, this is Jay Jameson with her story and we're out.